Coming up this week on Breaking Badness. Today we discuss firmware and tear, multiple vulnerabilities found in Siemens programmable logic controllers. Next up, NYC train signs of life. How Kevin Chung gave NYC train sign new life. And of course, a fun new game where both Tim and Taylor get 60 seconds to talk about the articles on the chopping block. With that, Breaking Badness is next. Welcome to Breaking Badness, episode number 145, recorded on January 13th to 2023. I'm your co-host, Kelsey, not my cup of IoT, LaBelle. With me, co-host Taylor, I saw the sign, Wilkes Pierce, and last but not least, Tim, PLC you and raise you one, Helming. Welcome, 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 welcome back, gents. Friday the 13th. <gasps> what could go wrong? Nothing. <laughs> everything. I mean, apart from everything, yeah, not much. I don't know. Did y'all just hear that sound? It was uh, me opening the umbrella inside. Gonna step on some glass. Was that a black cat I just saw? I was I was busy walking under this ladder that I've got in here. <laughs> Joke's on y'all. Moment. I'm just throwing salt over all the correct shoulders. So <laughs> um, to quote the great Michael Scott, I'm not superstitious, but I'm a little stitious. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, you know, there's been lots of great episodes this year. We had, of course, Callie's Roundup of 2022, and then wait a minute, Daniel- wait a minute. There haven't been any episodes this year. I mean, yes, now they have. One. Well, over the past 12 months, <laughs> but this year is 2023. Yes. Oh wait, there no, been no, no. Two. Did the Roundup? Did the Roundup air this year? The Roundup and the Last Pass podcast. Oh my both God, came you're out right. We've January. already done two. Where have I been? Holy smokes! I better go get a neurological workup, and uh, <laughs> you, you two, carry on. One of my favorite lines from, oh, what was this? It came out on Netflix this year. It was the the gentleman who wrote Rent. It was his first big hit. Oh, what was it called? It was a musical. But anyway, at one point, the friend basically embarrasses his other friend. He comes in to do like a, a marketing study to help his buddy out and make a little money. And he just says something when they're walking out, like, just tell them I had a stroke. Um, and my wife and I joke about that all the time. Just just tell them I had a stroke. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, Jonathan Larson. John, thank you, stuff. Jonathan Larson. Yeah, that's who you're thinking of there. Tick, wait, tick, tick, boom. Tick, tick, boom, Jonathan Larson. I, right. Sorry, I just had a... <laughs> just Which I haven't seen. Actually, I never saw <gasps> it. I know oh my, it was like what? all the rage in the 90s. All right, it's so okay. I've seen news. and performed La Boheme about a thousand times, and it's based on that. So, uh, Tim, you and Taylor, between this whole not seen Titanic <laughs> and yep. not seen Rent or Tick Tick Boom, and if Taylor, if you say you haven't seen either of those things, I swear, I swear to dog, we're gonna be in some hot water here. So I just I don't want to know. Rent, just don't but tell not me. Not Tick Tick Boom. <sighs> okay, sorry. Fifty percent credit. It's not a passing grade, but <laughs> you're working towards it. You know, much like um, Taylor knows how Titanic ends. How's it end again? The boat sinks. The boat <gasps> sinks. Yeah, much like he knows that. I know how. I know how Rent must end because uh, because it's based on Lobo M, and I'm familiar with that. So. Well, no, I believe it does end with being too damn high, right? 
<laughs> oh, that guy. Yeah, if anybody doesn't know what Taylor was referring to, do yourself a favor, and right after you're done listening to the podcast, go uh, go just Google, the rent is too damn high. Most of you probably already know that, but if you don't, it will be a favor to yourself to do that. How did I miss that, you know, in that little moment that we'd already put two episodes out this year, especially because I edited one of them. <laughs> oh, oh, well, I, that was that was what my brain was doing. Maybe Friday the 13th is messing with me. It's all those superstitious things we haven't been doing. It's Coming just all the passwords us. we've been rotating. <laughs> Yeah. Now that's True. what lives in my brain rent free. <laughs> yeah, for real. All right. Well, shall we talk about some some security stuff? Security stuff. Security. Shakirati. How is <laughs> Shakira's security? That's like the new Swift on security. She, security. You're right. Potential competition there. Not not that <laughs> anyone could ever compete with no. Swift on security. No. <sighs> well, we can try. We can try our best. Um might go grab that uh, Mastodon username. Um, any Hoosier. So let's talk about our first article for the week. Firmware and tear. Security researchers have disclosed multiple architectural vulnerabilities in Siemens programmable logic control models that could be exploited by a malicious actor to stealthily install firmware on affected devices and take control of them. So Tim is the key word or words here could be Meaning that even though I said that scary sentence, have we yet to see any evidence of an actual breach in the wild? Well, first off, I'm going to give you kudos. Everybody that's listening to Breaking Badness in Germany or Austria or any German-speaking country applauds you for pronouncing a German name, Siemens, in the correct way. So I'll try to remember to do that myself. Um, okay, we have to. Can we edit an applause break in there? Can we edit an applause break in there? Just for there is a budget <laughs> applause. Woo! Um, Tim deserves the credit for that. He, here he is trying to give me credit for something that he communicated to me before we recorded. So I'm going to tip my hat back at you, Tim, because <laughs> all of the German applause should be directed, in fact, at you. Continue. <laughs> Allow me to continue. All right. <laughs> so, also, I'm going to delay a moment getting to your question because uh, let's talk about what a PLC is because we may have some listeners who aren't ICS or OT geeks, um, which are things that we might have called SCADA back in the day, uh, but now the cool kids don't use the term SCADA anymore. Um, ICS, Industrial Control Systems, OT, Operational Technology, those are used kind of interchangeably today as opposed to the much longer Supervisory Control and Data Acquisition, or SCADA, that people used to use for these kinds of things. So, Programmable Logic Controllers, or PLCs, got to have as many acronyms as possible in this episode. They are a bedrock technology of industrial automation. They're these little magic computer boxes uh, about the size of, let's see, what are they the size of? Four or five decks of cards stacked up maybe. They, they are mounted usually on rails or in, uh, in possibly in racks. And what they do is things like um, tell valves to open and close or tell gadgets like motors to run and run this fast and stop in these conditions or whatnot. So they control elevators and other 
building automation systems and everything industrial or automated in terms of machine type things in big plants that you can think of. So, you know, no real consequence if they go haywire, right? Um, no, you really, really, really want PLCs to do exactly what they're supposed to do and not do anything else. Um, so, uh, have we seen evidence of this in the wild? We've definitely seen breaches of ICS environments in the past. You know, there's been a decent number of these. There was a famous example when a malware called Trisis, uh, shut down safety systems at a big, um, oil plant in Saudi Arabia a few years back. And fortunately that attack didn't succeed. The malware authors actually made a mistake in it, which prevented what could have been absolutely catastrophic. And then Siemens products themselves were the target of what I would argue was the most famous ICS breach in history, which was when Stuxnet, little thing called Stuxnet that you may have heard of, destroyed a bunch of uranium centrifuges uh, in Iran and those were Siemens devices or Siemens controlled, I forget which. Um, but with this particular set, no, I'm not aware of any exploits in the wild uh, at this point of uh, on these specific models of PLCs. Ah, uh, the PLCs. Yeah, you know me. I loved the alphabet soup, the acronym soup at the beginning of that. If you are not familiar with uh, PLCs and the ICSOT, it almost sounded like you said alphabet snoop. And I was thinking, boy, there's something else for Snoop Dogg to get into teaching ABCs to little kids. I mean, how much would you pay oh. to see that? I would love That's it. That's brilliant. Yes. Did you see Snoop Dogg's like affirmations? That is that is like targeted at kids recently. It's got a little song. Uh, no, that's a nice. Deal about affirmations. It's it's the sweetest thing actually. I love Snoop. Remember when he was Snoop Lion for a hot minute? Yeah. I know, like for thirty seconds. Yeah. Yeah. Snoop was at the Splunk Conf over the summer. Right. So I heard. Yeah. <laughs> We were we were talking about like how many times did his contract say he had to say Splunk? I, he said it a lot, so <laughs> I'm, I'm hoping he got spiffed for each one of those. That'd be great. Probably. <laughs> I'm going to put Snoop Dogg in Tyrus Detect. I want to see what lookalike of Snoop Dogg's there are. No, big I don't want to yeah, believe that point. anybody is out there. Well, look, there's no imitators, right? Like, <laughs> <laughs> hey, if he accidentally uh, registered his domain, you know, with using his own information. Yeah, he uh, might have done some type of that, but let's, let's give him a call and see if he'll be on the show. He registered like Snoop Dogg hyphen octa.com and ADFS hyphen Snoop Dogg.com and like all this stuff that you want to do when you want to protect yourself. He learned from Taylor and her <laughs> cybersecurity expertise. You never know. Um, but you know, Tom Hanks and Bill Belichick probably know Snoop Dogg. I think he'll be one of our celebrity guests, like a celebrity chef, but a celebrity cybersecurity guest here at Breaking I Madness. Hope so. We can also have them cook something, but maybe not great for an audio podcast. Anyway, um, but you know what? That sounds like ASMR. Like imagine like the sound of an onion caramelizing. I found that I find that quite uh, stress reducing personally. Mm. Mm. I'm going to leave that to you. I think that's a little, I don't know that that would reduce my stress. Well, we're all scientists here, so I'm just going to keep my grill it. up here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't knock it till you try it, Tay Tay. Yeah, huh? We're going to do okay. this live now. We're actually going to scratch the last story <laughs> and just cook an onion live on the show. We're going to talk about the onion, just not 
the onion router. Okay. The security like the, onion. The security onion. Ooh. Defense in depth layers, maybe. My, uh, I've got some buddies from college that um, live in Portland, and they started <laughs> a uh, onion type pub for Portland on Instagram, and it's called, I believe. Oh, I want to say it's. It's the chive. That's something that's very different. It's not the chive. Um, oh, gosh. I'm going to find it, and I'll come back to it later in this episode. But um, I'm going to... They were actually on the local Portland News recently, and I was like, wow. You made it. You did it. You've accomplished everything that you need to. <laughs> anyway, I digress. <laughs> well, we'll look forward to seeing it. I will. I'm just trying to build intrigue over here. Okay. Um Oh, it's not the leak. Anyway, this is really going to bug me. I'll get back to it. Okay, so Tim, um, what are these vulnerabilities then that were found and what could an attacker do with them? Theoretically, again, we have not had reported in right. instances yet of these vulnerabilities being used for evil. Right. Okay, so these vulnerabilities had to do with a very low uh, low level uh, cryptographic boot sequence protection, and more specifically within that, well, Kelsey, it all comes down to trust. Doesn't everything? I got zero so, of that. Uh, right? Yeah, that's supposed to be good. Zero. Wait, zero trust. We're not supposed to wait trust a second. Anything. I mean, yeah, it's we're not, not what my therapist says. Ah. So that's a good thing, and yet it seems like a bad thing. I don't know. It's confusing. Anyway, um, so. They have a uh, let's let's come up with another acronym that has multiple uses because why not? So they have a sock, uh, which in this case is a system on a chip, um, which is uh, actually ironically designed to protect right the boot uh, the integrity of booting of the PLC. But unfortunately, this implementation, uh, quoting the researchers here, does not establish an indestructible root of trust. In the early boot process, this includes lack of asymmetric signature verifications for all stages of the bootloader and firmware before execution. So basically what this means is that an attacker with physical access to the device, which we'll come back to in a minute, could possibly exploit these flaws to load their own firmware onto these PLCs or modify the Siemens firmware, and therefore they could ultimately take over the PLC, which as we've established, would not be a good thing. Now, I said I would come back to something very important. You need physical access to the PLC to exploit this. So this is not something that a hacker just sitting on the internet is gonna be able to execute over the network. Uh, the way this would happen would be, uh, it would have to involve something like either a hostile insider within the plant um, who decided to mess with these things or some kind of a person in the middle of the supply chain who was able to get a hold of the PLCs and modify them before they were installed at their final destination. That sort of thing is not unheard of, um, but uh, all in all, this is a low likelihood, but obviously potentially high consequences type of scenario. So the CVE number is actually fairly low, but the severity, um, but yeah, the, the consequences could be pretty major. Interesting. And do you think that these vulnerabilities could expand past Siemens to other organizations in a similar space? Yeah. Well, so when we think of manufacturers of industrial controls, um, they there is a long 
and storied history of vulnerabilities. Um, and it's a history, it's the present day, it will be the future. There's no question about it. Um, there are, and so that may sound terrifying. There are quite a few vulnerabilities cataloged and unremedied in the wild um, for industrial controlled devices. Now, there are a couple of things that make that a little bit less scary than it initially sounds like. First of all, um, there is some imperfection in the in some of the the vulnerability write-ups themselves. There there have been a history of some misunderstandings and so forth. So there's there's an accuracy problem um, that some of the security companies, Dragos and other folks in this space, are are working on helping rectify. So not all of those vulnerabilities uh, for which there are you know CVEs etc. are as severe as they may seem like, that's good. And the other is that it it is generally exceptionally hard to get into a uh, ICS or OT environment and actually manipulate these devices and exploit the vulnerabilities that exist on them. So, um, and there are a lot of protections in place for that. So we shouldn't all be panicking right now, but Everybody absolutely panic. the, <laughs> the, the, uh, Siemens is not alone in having vulnerabilities in its PLCs. That's for sure. A History of Misunderstandings is a book that needs to be written, Tim. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hand that out to history classes. Um, how did this war war? How did this war start? Please refer to. How did we to... get into this mess that we're in? <laughs> well, we here's here? part of it. <laughs> Here's an honest book for you. Um, gosh, that would be a good time. And just before I forget, the name of this Instagram account is called The Stumptown Scallion. Pretty Stumptown clever. Scallion. I'll definitely mm, check that out. Very, very Portland. I as a Portland native. Um, yeah. It's uh it's well done. It's yeah, that seems pretty Checks out. Mm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, well, Tim, has Siemens had anything to say for themselves here about this? Um, yeah, but it was in German, so I didn't really, you know, know what it was. Um, <laughs> no, they they have uh, they have responded, and you know, the unfortunate thing here is wait, Tim, that- they're going to fix this, right? Tim, they're going to fix this. <laughs> Tell me they're going to fix this, right? Obviously, they're going to this. They got to fix this, right? Taylor, the boat sinks. Um, so, so here's the deal. Uh, they, they, they are going to fix this, but they're going to fix it in future physical hardware iterations of these PLCs. So this is an, this is a flaw that is in hardware. It's in that sock, the system on a chip. So unfortunately there is no way for them to issue a, uh, a patch, a software patch for this. So, well, thanks. so yeah, we're all terrified. Sort of. <laughs> we're terrified. A good starting spot. Um, well, let's talk about how terrified. Well, let's jump into our hoodie ratings here. And for those tuning in for the first time or need a refresher, this is from zero to 10. That's our scale. 10 is very bad. Zero is kind of neutral, if you will. And we're playing off the cliche of hackers and hoodies. How many defenders does it take to change? A problem. Um, so, <laughs> Taylor, I'm going to start with you. Yeah. What would you rate this one at? This is a tricky one. 
Uh, because on the face of it, right, it's pretty like low score from a vulnerability perspective. You've got to be hands on and, and, you know, but the, uh, the stuff that it controls is really, really important and high value. Uh, it doesn't, doesn't appear there's going to be a fix in sight. The fix is just buy new ones. So you've got to assume that some of this stuff is going to live into the wild and, and be out there. So it's like on a long enough time frame, the score feels pretty high. Uh, that like something uh, awry could be done with this it, at the current moment. I'm going to give it uh, 4.72 hoodies. 4.72 hoodies. Factoring all of that in. You're not like, going to be more precise? Yeah. yeah. Third decimal, please. Can we go to the thousand? Uh, four, uh, seven, two, four, five. So we'll just round it right back, you know. Taylor's such a one-upper. I'm like, one more. And he's like, here's two. <laughs> <laughs> Math. Um, now you have to describe what, you know, piece of the hoodie is not there. What quarter? I'm going to round here. Just don't judge yeah, me, Taylor. Well, but, you know, yeah, yeah. a little less than of a, a quarter of a hoodie. Where, where did that, where's that taken from? Uh, it's the vast majority of the offhand sleeve for whatever the wearer is. The off. Okay. Yep. That we'll accept that. Um, <laughs> Tim, do you want to, uh, do you want to follow that with your own rating? Well, I certainly do want to follow that. Um, I'm going to, maybe, maybe this is because in my time in ICS security, I got a little bit jaded. Um, that could be the factor here. I'm actually putting it a little bit lower uh, at a three. And since Taylor did how many? Four decimal points. I'll, <laughs> I'll see you one and raise you one. Uh, I'll I'll go five decimal points. Three point zero 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 six. Oh, I thought you were going to do something like three point one four one five nine two six five or something like that. Oh, that would have been a good one, but that's too obvious. <laughs> yeah, Taylor. We'll save that for March. We'll save that for March. <laughs> there you go. Oh, wonderful. Okay, well, thank you both, and it's time to to take a brief break here. Um, what are we going to do during our break? I feel like we always we always tell our listeners what, what happens. I always do push-ups during the break, don't you? That explains a lot. I'm going to do imaginary push-ups. Those I'm going to visualize myself doing push-ups. I can get on board with that. You know, I misread there was this gym, and it said, like, <laughs> gym coach, but I read gym couch, which I think says something about me <laughs> but i was laughing emmy and i were kind of laughing my wife of being like in in a gym couch situation do you get paid to sit on the couch that then people lift like you are the weights or do you coach people from a couch at a gym like how could we integrate the couch that's what i'll be thinking about during the break <laughs> <laughs> and with that we'll be back in just a moment for our second article on breaking badness breakers hope you're enjoying the show if you are enjoying it please give us a rating on your favorite podcast platform and heck maybe a review well that would be flat out 10 chocolate chip goodies phenomenal and don't forget tell your infosec and infosec adjacent friends about breaking badness maybe then they'll understand your otherwise inexplicable new fondness for puns anyway we'd be much obliged and now back to the show One, two, three. (laughs) 
took a lot of work to sit on that couch, okay? I had to go downstairs and sit on it. Somebody had to carry it. It's a whole thing. I just did hundreds of imaginary push-ups. <laughs> feeling pretty tired. Oh, good. Yeah. yeah. That's impressive. Hey, there's nothing like imaginary muscles to help you lift <laughs> imaginary things. <laughs> well, let's talk about NYC train signs of life. So here's a look at how Kevin Chung spent his New Year's Eve taking over the defunct IoT company, NYC TrainSign. So I don't know if this would be an IoT device too many people are familiar with, um, though maybe from the name, they have some context clues. But for our listeners, let's first talk about what NYC TrainSign was or is. NYC TrainSign. So if anyone has visited New York City uh, in uh, found themselves underground, taking a subway around. Uh, they'll know there are some distinctive looking subway signs uh, on the platforms that will tell you kind of when the next train is arriving uh, and then where it's headed to, like what the end of the line for that particular line is. And so they're kind of mildly iconic for our NYC folks. And I hope I'm not offending any uh, New York City folks here by just calling them mildly iconic. But um, at some point back in like 2016, 2017, uh, a group of folks decided to start building kind of miniature versions that folks could have inside of their own houses uh, that were uh, internet attached and would scrape APIs to pull in kind of your own home uh, train sign thing. So if you know your stop is like right downstairs, you can always see like, hey, the next train is going to be here in X amount of time without having to, I guess, look on your phone. I don't know uh, what the, the full problem they're looking to solve there for, but I think they're mainly going for an aesthetic. Uh, and so this was 2017. You could put together an, uh, an IoT company and start you know, selling some of these things like these folks did. Uh, and so they put together maybe a couple hundred of these, perhaps, uh, and eventually found themselves uh, out of business as they just couldn't really monetize the signs or a service related to the signs from what anybody could tell um, and maybe kind of left some folks with some unfulfilled orders. I don't know. Uh, you know, certainly some of that is, is hinted at pretty strongly here in this article. Uh, but so five years later, our author, Ken Chung here, uh, found someone on Reddit in 2021 that was selling one of these defunct signs because it was no longer working. Uh, you know, obviously the, the sign was not getting any further support from a company that didn't exist any longer. Uh, and he went and purchased the sign from them thinking, hey, it might be neat to kind of do some like reverse engineering on this and see, hey, how much did this thing cost? What's inside of there? And, and so on and so forth. Interesting. Interesting. By the way, the saying something about the aesthetics, these are kind of cool looking, these train signs, I right? gotta say. I kind of want For one of my own. <laughs> That's so we can pretend that we have subways in Seattle. <laughs> you know, <laughs> for a hot minute, our light rail service also would have, they would display on signs when the next train was going to arrive. And then they took away that feature. And I like, is this really that hard? We have, we have one, count one. them, There's only one, one. one light rail line in Seattle. Mm-hmm. Shouldn't be that is hard. it really that hard to, uh, they, to have they, a sign that tells you when the next train's going to show up? They lost track. <sighs> oh. Clearly. Maybe they didn't have the right training data. Oh! 
<laughs> I'm hearing signals of the same thing. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, golly. Yeah, these are pretty cool. I'm looking at them here on my end, too. Um, <laughs> but Taylor, I don't know if this would be an IoT device that people... Whoops. But Taylor, do we have any idea why... Just, do we have any idea why Kevin Uh-oh. did this? Is he personally invested? Like, what? Tell me about it. I, I mean, he, he just thought that it would be an interesting science project. I hope somewhere sitting in his residence, there's one of those like try or it's a bifold. It's got the three. It's got the two little foldy pieces, like the science fair board that every single person that's listening has used, with the little blue putty. When you when you had to write your little hypothesis, and you get picture, does everyone did everyone experience oh, that? Am I alone? He, okay, he, he did have dreams of building his own and selling it as a product, but this research squashed those. Wait, people try to make money? What <laughs> the train the train Nonsense. folks didn't try hard enough to begin with. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, the MTA in New York does have a really cool app that shows you where the trains are, and it's like the the. <laughs> Mildly iconic, shall I say, uh, New York City subway map, um, but there there are subtle little little highlights on the lines that show where the train is right now, and you can so and of course it's an app, so all of us can you can see right now if you want to know when the next train at seventy seventh Street in Bay Ridge is going to show up, well you can find that out right now, or you can at least see where it is and how close it is to that station. Tim, the Seattle public light rail system is definitely on your list of grievances. I love the passive aggressive. Like, there's this state of the art app somewhere else. Somewhere else, and they can put it on a freaking map. You can't even. Tell you know, them when it's, it's kind coming. of a love hate relationship. I mean, I I love that we have our light rail. It's when the trains do show up, they are and they show up pretty regularly. So I mean, it's not. It's I'm. I'm probably making it sound worse than it is. I just want to know, did I just miss the train or, you know, how am I doing? But, uh, yeah, it's I the MTAs. Now, listen, by the way, any New Yorker these days will tell you the MTA is hot garbage. I mean, it, it has had a lot of service problems in the last few years and a lot of deterioration. It's 100 years old. So, uh, you know, what do you want? But, um the uh i don't know they probably some folks in london laughing about that right now (laughs) (laughs) yeah no doubt so uh so listen i mean things are not all sweetness and light there in the big apple in the subway department um so i i'm just gonna but that but that app is cool so i mean there's that there's an app for that you know i've never tested it i've never when i was there in new york i've never opened up that app to i mean it could be totally making it up it might have no basis in you reality. You know, might- in my time there, I this was a long time ago, but I, I remember per, like someone was like, "Oh, you should just buy like this different app." There was like a private app that had a, had a but this was a long time ago. Something it might not her. even be an app. It might just be a, a page. I, I don't remember. I think it's actually just a page. A web app. A web app. <laughs> a web app. Web app. Um. <laughs> so you know, it sounds like Kevin got his hands on the signs, not the Wabap. Um, and uh, he didn't unbox it in his blog post. And I, I do you know, find that 
slightly upsetting. But what components make up the device? Anything surprising? Um, so not super surprising in terms of like, hey, there's not like a UFO inside of here or anything, right? But like what? a couple of LED panels, uh, a Raspberry Pi 3 is driving the whole bus uh, or train. Uh, there's a, a micro SD card, uh, another like LED controller, and then some power supply stuff, um, and then a button on it. Um, and then by his estimate, it's a little over-engineered. He thinks you, at this point you could have gotten away with less stuff uh but his kind of takeaway on it was that the the total cost of this was just way too high uh, and so he's like hey the 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 bom the bomb the bill of materials here is like 150 bucks and if you're going to price this thing and sell it uh and not go out of business you got to be selling it for about 600 they were not they were selling it for way less than that uh which is what got them in trouble interesting Interesting. And so I'm just curious, what did Kevin have to do to resurrect the sign? Yeah, the sign itself, and he saw the sign and opened up his eyes. <laughs> um, it was right yeah. there. Uh, it is funny because like I, just a touchback on our rent is too damn high joke. He has a uh, the, the bomb is too damn high joke in here. The bill of materials It's like a postmortem on why this uh, company had to have gone out of business. Someone uh, set for us the bomb. Set us up the bomb. Um, yeah. The, so the sign itself worked just fine, but the thing that powered the sign was the API and the web app that pushed that stuff to the signs themselves. Which is the, web app, but the, the servers that would push the data to the signs uh, were, were defunct. The folks that had initially set up the company had let the domain lapse. Uh, so he went and he purchased trainsignapi.com super creative that's what they bought and in fact in iris if our folks have iris and you want to play along you can see the historical registration data from 2017 uh when the the train sign folks originally had it and it goes out uh kind of at the end of or near the end of 2019 uh or so 2018 2019 and then our friends uh bought this the day after christmas of last year 2022 uh couple weeks ago, uh, and then started standing it back up. So he uh, did a little bit of reverse engineering to pull uh, like the the sign IDs, because the signs, once he bought the domain and turned it on, the signs would start to reach out to it, saying like, hey, I need updates. Of course, not working. Uh, but part of that reach out process, they would include the sign ID and then the ID for the hardware on the sign. Uh, and then he was able to use that to kind of reverse engineer the the like authentication on the sign to be able to push new data to the signs, to his sign at least, and potentially any other sign that somebody wants to sign up and get working again. Uh, he was able to set that up on trainsignapi.com uh, to successfully kind of take over the signs. And Taylor is getting paid 10 cents for every time he says the word sign during yep. this podcast i just ever for you know just to be transparent and ethical i just feel like i need to mention that um, that was a contract that i did sign yes <laughs> i knew you picked this article for a reason i'm just kidding um, <laughs> well were there any findings that are, are worth sharing here um, from kevin's blog and does this mean anything for other defunct iot devices I think stuff that's kind of built in a similar manner. Really, the big thing was like, hey, you've 
you've got to get your bill of materials and your costs uh, in line with your pricing or you're going to have a bad time. Um, I think that was one of the big takeaways that I got from this. Uh, you know, as far as for other defunct IoT devices, those, you know, each one is its own little uh, nugget of awfulness in a lot of ways, like depending on like how long its support was, how off the shelf its stuff is, like can the OS be updated, uh, so on and so forth. Um, you know, if we're talking about potentially maliciously abusing defunct IoT stuff here, we're talking about kind of breathing new life into them. So kind of uh, the reverse of that. <laughs> The reverse of life. The zombie, as you had mentioned earlier. Um, and my last question for you, Taylor, here before we get into our hoodie rating is, what does this type of work mean for domains? I know you had mentioned following along in Iris Investigate earlier, Investigate, um, but he's maintaining the hosting costs. Does this mean mm -hmm. startups gone belly up need to consider continuing to host their domains after folding? Well, the problem uh, is that once a startup has gone belly up, they can't consider hosting the domains any longer. Uh, you know, maybe someone and a lot of times you, you'll see this where folks will like from a community will take over something, um, you know, if they can, uh, like a user community. Uh, but yeah, you know, it, it certainly is like, hey, I basically man in the middle a bunch of defunct IoT devices by purchasing the domain that they all used to talk to is a story that my guess is we'll see again at some point, uh, just given the proliferation of IoT stuff and companies and, uh, you know, how, how many there are and how many there uh, will not be a few years from now um, that, that, that are currently in existence. Yeah, I feel like at some very low level, it'd be worth looking this up. I feel like this actually has happened before pretty similarly to this with uh, expired domains, but I can't, uh, I don't have the example to hand. Fascinating. Well, let's let's jump in here to a harder rating score. Taylor, thanks for looking into this. Tim, I'm gonna start with you. What would you rate this at? Uh, I think this particular story is kind of cool and interesting. I think for the train signs themselves, um, I, I don't know, I'm gonna give it about a Four, I guess, but um, the implication for other IoT devices where where this kind of scenario happens. It, look, I mean, it's not. It doesn't just have to be a defunct company. Companies let domains lapse all the time. They don't do it on all purpose, time. but it happens. And uh, there are bad actors out there that are watching very closely for that. Um, and so, the larger implications of this kind of attack are higher than four hoodies but you know I'll, I'll give this one four i think four hoodies so mr helming how about for you taylor i'm gonna give this i think this is goodies if you've got an nyc train sign like all of a sudden kevin is is like your best friend right <laughs> you gotta you gotta uh go like i don't know venmo that that guy some some cash to help to keep these servers running actually i guess um, that's a really good point like right? i was just thinking of it in terms of the the risk you know not that it's i mean it's not a big risk for something that you have at home as a as a cool conversation piece but uh yeah maybe it is goodies yeah it, it's this is one of those interesting things where the the it's like 
hey, it's a little cutesy little product thing. Uh, and there wasn't a ton of, definitely not a ton of security best practices that were followed when they were writing their like authentication stuff for the signs. Cause you know, ideally like the, you know, ideally, but like, it's tough to say this, right? But like, those things shouldn't work, right? Like, because uh, like, what if Kevin was, had malicious intent, right? Um, so, you know, like that, something was awry in terms of how the signs were authenticated um, and like what information they were passing along in those authentication requests that allowed Kevin to take them over, essentially. Now, he did it for the best of intentions, but, um, you know, certainly you, you could see that going the other way pretty easily, huh? Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. So wait, what was your final rating on that, Taylor? I'm going to give it... Kevin gets like 10 goodies. Like, that's Because that's, it's a great article. It's a really, you know, the way that it breaks down the, the, the business costs, the, the server, the, you know, the authentication, the signs, the, the even, you know, the, the choosing. He chose uh, where is the um, effing train.com, which is a, 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 an open <laughs> API for train data. Uh, in, uh, you could read the, the article and get the real uh, domain there but uh, uh you know the the given kevin kevin gets all the goodies all the goodies so is that you want 10 out of 10 goodies for kevin yeah, i think this is rad yeah. kevin yeah Excellent. it is pretty fun i'm totally going all the way into the goodies camp uh That's i will i won't i won't say the same thing as taylor just to keep it more interesting but put me down for for five goodies Back to this chocolate chip goodies because we're we're out chocolate of holiday season, so the, the we loved the gingerbread goodies while we had them, but but back to good old chocolate chip goodies. Goodies, it's Girl Scout cookie season, so <laughs> oh, thin mint <laughs> goodies. It's your thin mints. Num 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 num. I still like the plain old trefoils. Oh, those are my favorite too. I'm a huge shortbread fan. Shortbreads, yeah. Well, we're gonna go dream of cookies as we do any time after a goodie article. Discussion, <laughs> um, and then when we come back, we're gonna we're gonna try a new game with y'all. So uh, Taylor, Tim, bring your best, and we'll be back in just a moment for the last few minutes here of Breaking Bets. All right. Well, as as y'all know. As we return here from our brief cookie break, we've been trying a few new things on the podcast. We've done two truth, two truths and a lie for quite a while. We have also included gold guidance and grievances a few times. And, and now we're going to do something else. There's a lot of film that ends up on the editor's floor here at Breaking Badness. And there, and what I mean by that is there are a lot of different things we could discuss on a given week that unfortunately don't see the light of day uh, to you all. You don't get to hear our fun, punny takes um, on these articles. So what we've decided to try is each Tim and Taylor are going to have exactly 60 seconds to give you a summary of a set of articles, one article, it's really up to them. And I'm just going to be obnoxious about them and just be be the clock. Um, and that's, that's what we're going to try. Is there anything, Tim or Taylor, you want to add that I'm missing there for our new game? No, no, I think it's just, uh, you know, a chance for us to get in. Well, a couple other stories that 
normally don't fit in a two-story show. It's true. That sounds like I'm talking about a house. But. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. HGTV meets Breaking Badness. All right. Well, uh, let's see. Um, I'm going to have Tim start because you did the first article. And then, Taylor, you will be the anchor for our podcast. Perfect. That sound sounds good? Sounds good. Yeah. All right. Let me prepare my device. Setting to one minute, and um, Tim, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a countdown here of three seconds, and then I'm gonna mute myself. Okay. <laughs> three. Uh, yes, I'm ready. You ready? Okay. Three, two, one, go. Well, you may see the story breaking today that uh, CISA has awarded a DNS contract to Cloudflare, and I thought this was a pretty interesting story because. Um, for folks who aren't as familiar with Cloudflare, they, they have a lot of technical capability in terms of, you know, hosting and um, some might say bulletproof hosting. And we'll come back to that in just a second. Um, DDoS mitigation and generally having strong infrastructure. Um, now, they've been controversial over the years and folks in the security space are, seconds. Are, are really aware of this ah because um they they are considered in some cases seconds. a bulletproof hoster they've hosted some really bad stuff over the years so CISA hiring cloudflare it seems a little scary Five, to me but on the other hand four, at least three, they'll have good dns i guess reliable yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, does that sound like morning to everybody it sounds like uh, a, somebody in my family uses that particular sound a lot. So. Yeah, are these familiar. also one minute timers that are being included in your life or, or just in general, just for life? No, they're they're uh, alarms, but alarms that get snoozed often. So then they come oh. back and come oh. back and come back. Yes, the worst. Hmm. All right. Taylor, the bar has been set. Oh, man. Are you ready? Yes. I will also give you a countdown. Okay. <laughs> Three, two, one, zero, go. Okay. My uh, extra article this week is the Mac malware of 2022. It's from the Objective C, uh, S-E-E blog. Uh, so it's a, a, they collect a lot of data around Mac malware. Patrick Wardle released this and it's super long, but it covers all of the new variants of Mac malware that they picked up in the year 2022. Everything from SysJoker uh, to DazzleSpy to ORAT to um, Cloud Mensis and Rshell and Insect and Keysteel. And it covers each of them in detail with samples uh, they're going to talk about infection vectors, persistence mechanisms, uh, indicators of compromise, and then actual samples themselves. And fun fact, industry reports in late 20 show that year-over-year growth of all the top five computer companies declined significantly except for Apple, who saw a 40% increase. Four, Many believe that three, Mac will become the dominant two, enterprise endpoint by 2030, uh, end quote. Thank you, Patrick. I, it's a really great <laughs> article. It's just way too long to talk about here, but there's just a lot of interesting stuff in there. I feel so rude as a human for literally Blair hoarding both of you. I feel like um, you should both be able to do it to me just when I'm talking. You don't don't give me any lead up. Just when it feels <laughs> that's good. All right, Taylor, get yours in there. I'm just going to keep talking until you do it. Just do it. Do I it, Taylor. Go ahead, do it. Come on, it. Taylor. Come I, on. Do it. Do no, it. Do it. <laughs> I love interruptions. I'm a five year old and a three year old. Get in there. <laughs> oh gosh. 
Well, we'll test that out. If any, you know, we just always want your feedback. We just want to be the best version of ourselves for you, audience. So if uh, if you like that or if you're like, gosh, that Kelsey person just interrupted those fine gents. Um, you just you just throw the, just at me, you know. You were doing exactly what you were supposed to do. <laughs> <laughs> it's I'll true. defend you to the death. Thanks, Tim. You, you teach me how to say Siemens and you defend me to the death. I appreciate it. Our, oh, our listenership excellent. in German speaking countries is probably going to be up like 800% by next week. <laughs> <laughs> the word will get around. They'll appreciate it. Um, well, thank you both for another great episode. The first for Tim in 2023 and the third for all of us, <laughs> yeah. even if Tim was there. Oh, man. Welcome to 2023. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to I'm going to go to the doctor right after this. <laughs> oh, golly. All right. Well, thanks, y'all. We'll be back next week for another episode. Happy MLK Day. This that would have happened before our um, our podcast went live. But um obviously observing that here as a company here on Monday. Thanks everybody for your time and we'll see you next week on Breaking Badness. Later y'all. Later Gator. That's about all we have for this week. You can find us on Twitter at Domain Tools. All of the articles and IOCs mentioned today will be included in our blog post, which can be found at domaintools.com slash resources slash podcasts. Catch us every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific time when we publish our podcast and blog. We'll see you next week on another episode of Breaking Badness. Until then, remember, don't drink and click. <laughs>